Welcome back, Radio Entrepreneurs, listeners, and fans. I'm producer Nathan Gobes, and I'm excited to introduce you all to part two of the sixth Family Business FBA panel discussion, The Great Economic Reset. In this family business-related summer 2022 edition of the panel discussion, we'll be covering topics related to creating organizational stability during economic instability, strategies for leading a family business through inflation and supply chain issues, planning for a recession, and much more. If you have not yet seen part one of this panel discussion, we recommend you head over to radioentrepreneurs.com or any of our many channels to catch the first segment uh, that we've already released. All of these discussions are intended to be highly relevant to family businesses, but also entrepreneurs of all types. So please follow and subscribe to Radio Entrepreneurs. Next, I'll introduce our three panelists and hosts for this discussion. For their full introductions, please refer back to episode one, which is linked in the description below. We are joined today by Stephen Wilchins of Wilchins, Cosentino and Novins, Rich Hershen of Gray, Gray and Gray, and David Santos of the Northern Trust Corporation. Welcome, everyone. And of course, Jeffrey Davis, our host for Radio Entrepreneurs and founder, uh, CEO of Mage LLC. Welcome, Jeffrey. I'll hand it over to you now. Thank you very much, Nathan. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to this segment on uh, uh, on, on the thought leadership and the Great Reset. Uh, this section of our uh, presentation is on leadership actions today. Uh, let's be a little bit optimistic. Uh, following up on the last session and their comments about Ukraine, let's assume that the war at the Ukraine is going to end. Uh, how quickly do you think? things will start to stabilize in terms of global markets, food, energy, inflation. Do you think that will have an effect on it? And do we, do, can we make any forecasts with that at all? You're saying the war ending and sanctions against Russia, both ending? Well, I didn't put the sanctions out. The sanctions, could, you never know how long those could take, but you're yeah. right, that, that is a factor. Thank you, Rich. That could yeah. go on for a while. And clearly we're feeling sanctions. There is definitely retaliatory behavior. We're all feeling it here in a different way. Yeah, I, I, you know, my, my comments around that would be that um, the moment there is a ceasefire or, or, or an end to the, to the war that's announced, I think you would see immediate transmission um, to prices of commodities um, react. We see it all the time with energy these days. Uh, and we, we would see, obviously, in the energy sector as well, you would see prices react um, uh, in, in a downward fashion is just the expectation that the um, bottlenecks around getting uh, grain out of, of uh, the Ukraine are going to ease. Then the question would be, what, is it, what does it look like? What does the recovery look like? You know, we mentioned sanctions, and obviously, um, there would probably be a lot of negotiations around that. Um, in, in give and take, but uh, immediately positive price action and then a, a, a view on when those supplies are likely to get back to the market um, is the other key point, which probably obviously would take longer, um, be more drawn out, but, but um, uh, it, it'd be a wait and see situation. Yeah, I think you'd see commodity prices probably um, drop. I think it may take longer for the prices that consumers are paying to really go down. Um, but they say they go up like a rocket and down like a feather, uh, something like that. So I, I think it would take some time after 
the war ends before consumers are really seeing the benefit. Steve, I see you moving. Does that mean you want to say something? No. <laughs> and I, and I, think it's I think it's important also to note because we've seen some uh, already, we've, we've seen commodity prices start to abate over the last couple of weeks. And I think most people believe that's because the growth outlook, both in the US and globally, ha has started to come down. The World Bank, the IMF have, have dropped growth estimates for global growth. In the US now, um, Northern Trust, we just recently downgraded our growth expectations for the US. So as growth starts to come down, then the, then the question is, when does the war end? Um, does it end you know, in, in two weeks or two years? Um, and I think if we look out over the next 12 months, I think there's a, a pretty consensus expectation that growth is gonna be much slower that'll take pressure off of commodity prices in and of itself. We're already starting to see that. And then I think, you know, the, the end of the Ukrainian uh, Russian war would be an accelerant in that price decline dynamic um, as we look out. But I think at that point we're in a recession. And that'll also affect the housing market. Right. Absolutely. Already so, seeing, already seeing housing um, action uh, starting to, to unwind a bit, um, new home sales, mortgage applications, refis are effectively completely dried up, and actually, and beginning to see some slowdown in pricing momentum in the real estate market um, as well. So um, that's what all likely to play out. What was interesting is reading the Wall Street Journal. I think yesterday, talking about rentals, how they continue to be continue to increase and in fact it's like a bidding war to secure a rental property mm -hmm. i don't think we're i know we've experienced increases but i don't think we have a bidding war in this part of the country i'm sure in other parts uh there is bidding wars for rentals because a yeah, lot yeah. of people are not buying homes they're selling their homes and not reinvesting so yeah, that's, that's going to continue to be a problem. I think um, if we think about mortgage rates having doubled in, in two or three months' time, what that effectively have done is shut out many millions of people out of the real estate market who, because they can't afford it anymore. And what are they going to do? They're going to continue to rent. Um, so the rental market, I think, is going to be one area that's going to continue to be um, noteworthy in, in the inflationary picture because um, rents aren't likely to decelerate anytime soon i would think so you're recommending REITs? <laughs> well yeah depending apartment. what their exposure is yeah for sure apartment rates yeah yeah uh you know uh, and if 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 we're going to assume these other factors that you mentioned if this ends up being a longer inflationary period how do you think that could potentially affect things well, the longer the longer inflation runs hot, the 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 more the Fed is going to push the interest rate curve higher, right? And I think that's that, and that's going to lead to slower, even slower economic growth, which flows back to to companies, right? In terms of earnings expectations, demand expectations. Um, Steve had mentioned the number of layoffs we're beginning to see. And that's the first lever that a, a management will pull um, when they're in an environment where they where they their demand forecast starts to 
decline. So I think the longer inflation stays elevated, the more the harder the Fed is going to have to push. And this is happening across the globe. Um, this morning, there was a panel on Bloomberg with um, the head of the central banks of England, the ECB, uh, the U.S., um, and, and they're all moving in the same direction, all tightening at a very aggressive pace. Um, and the further they have to go, um, the more economic um, damage is going to be done. You know, right? I've, I've, I've been hearing a lot in the news about, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, and I was around in the early 1980s, sad to say. Uh, and I watched what happened and how it affected the economy. And I'm just thinking that if all these things do continue, uh, we're probably, we're gonna be looking at, you know, a different, a, a different economy, but also it's gonna be harder for businesses to borrow money. Mm -hmm. And you know, most, you know, I think all of, virtually all of our clients are borrow, have been in the habit for years of borrowing money at a low interest rate. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. how you see that as well. Well, I think there was actually news this morning. I don't know if anybody saw it, but Carnival Cruise Lines was downgraded by an, an analyst. And, and, and one of the points that the analyst made was that there's, an, that there's a, a possibility that Carnival would get shut out of, shut out of the high-yield bond market. And, and, and basically, the assumption being that their, their availability of credit would dry up stocks down, I think, 15% this morning um, on the news. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the, um, the real risk here. And, I think, and you, what you'll hear strategists talk about as the Fed pushes further and further on rates is that typically when you get into this type of a tightening cycle, something breaks, meaning there's, if you look back in time, there have been crises that erupt um, during a tightening cycle. If you look at long-term credit, the hedge fund that, that went belly up. You look at other instances, going back to Continental Bank as an example, when it imploded, um, that when you have a, this hard a reset in policy, um, there are certain, um, there, certainly um, there's a situation where the risk of something, a, a more full-blown financial crisis uh, arises. And I think we'll clearly be looking for that. It's hard to predict. But um, this is typically when that happens, and it and it usually relates to credit availability or the expense of credit rising um, as rapidly as it is. Bringing it down to closely held family businesses, I think business owners are skittish about continuing to expand. I think that's the sentiment, the confidence in the economy is is waning. So they're concerned, so they're pulling back. So not only are they pulling back on employment, but they're pulling back on expansion or new opportunities for the most part. So that's going to have an impact on the number of businesses in this area. I agree with Steve and, you know, talking to clients, you're seeing that as well, that, um, you know, there's some concerns and they're, you know, thinking twice about things that maybe, you know, a couple of years ago, they, they wouldn't, um, that's, it's, one, the availability of capital is maybe tougher, and certainly it's more costly to, to get that money. Well, I, I'm, I'm a conservative uh, management consultant trained by my father, and uh, you know I'm a big fan of minimal bank debt and lots of cash reserves because I think the companies with cash will do well in this economy because as things are unstable 
and people will not and companies will not be making moves, it leaves an opportunity to those companies that can make the moves. And I think that's been the history throughout time. So I would encourage people to have strong balance sheets right now, which is what uh, what my friend, uh, you know, uh, Rich Hershen is very good at, uh, at very good at predicting and working with people to do. So I'm just going to change the subject a little bit because with all this stuff going on, you know, employees leaving for higher salaries, inflation, maybe it's going to be harder to keep jobs as companies start to lay off people. So it's going to, the pendulum may swing. Uh, what's really been hard with all of this has been able to maintain uh, culture. And, you know, all studies have always shown culture beats strategy, seven to one. Culture beats financing. Culture, be, uh, culture beats being in the right category. How do entrepreneurs keep their culture strong with all this instability going on? I think it's the, the same things they did before the pandemic. You know, how do you have culture? I, to me, it just comes down to the people you're working with and the relationships um, at the company. And that sort of creates your culture. I think working remotely has taken a lot of that away where you don't see everyone all the time. If you have people that started at the company after the pandemic and maybe have never been in person, they don't really get to know people. So the relationships that when you think of some of your coworkers you've developed over years just aren't there. And then it becomes, so what's, you know, what am I, what's keeping me at the company? Is it just the salary? Uh, Cause that's a tough, tough battle to win. You know, the work, I don't think any of us are doing anything so unique um, that the work itself um, can keep you there. I think it's the people you're working with and your enjoyment of going to the office. So, you know, we're seeing that trying to get people back to the office and people like the convenience of working remotely, but people are starting to see it kind of miss, you know, making friends at work and, and having that camaraderie. I think part of what businesses are being forced to do is become a little more flexible on culture in the sense of dealing with rules with regards to whether it's remote, whether it's you know, uh, coming in halftime, things like that, allowing the employees to have a little more say also in what they want to do, provided there are clear expectations that the company meets their goals, but at the same time, give more flexibility to employees. The other issue is building, rebuilding connection. I think companies to, to get that culture uh, it's hard because there's so many people that are remote. So how do you rebuild that culture, rebuild the connection of all the employees? Uh, and that's going, to, that's going to be a challenge for a number of companies to have that and succeed in doing that well. I think we all struggle with that with our employees. Yeah, and I would add, especially the, um, when you have new, new employees or, or more junior employees who you know, you want to um, to train them and, and get them imbued in the culture out of the gate. And that's, I think, been a particular challenge over the last couple of years and likely to be ongoing uh, as we, we stay in some form of a hybrid model um, system. Well, I've noticed uh, through COVID and now specifically during this hard time, a lot of my clients are investing more in culture than ever before. They want to make sure that people know that business is more than just business, that it's a community and that they need to stick and work together and that they need to make those investments. And the companies that are doing that, it seems to be paying some dividends. Uh, 
And, and, and my last question in this segment really has to do with the midterm elections again uh, today. You know, we're coming upon these midterm elections. How do entrepreneurs prepare for what's coming? Because again, it's more instability. Yeah, I, I would I would say um, you know that that clearly um, as we head into the midterms, there's a a, a consensus that um, you know that the uh, incumbent party is is likely to face a lot of challenges in this election, and and then. Um, that that will certainly impact policy decisions that arise after the election. And, and that um, it's hard to plan for that, but I think, um, you know, the likely outcome is that we're, we're not going to see, you know, any radical change to taxation policy mo most likely, which makes things a little more easier uh, to plan for. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, kind of the viewpoint that we're taking heading into them. Okay, I'm going to call our producer back on and uh, let him introduce, uh, close out this segment and uh, appreciate all the uh, content and feedback that we've received. Nathan Gobes, the producer of Radio Entrepreneurs. Yes, uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, another really interesting conversation. Um, some important discussions uh, for business owners to consider. That wraps up part two of this summer 2022 edition of the FBA Family Business Panel discussion. We want to thank all our listeners and viewers who've tuned in to this segment on Radio Entrepreneurs. Links will be provided in the description below to part one if you didn't catch it already and part three once it comes out. Be sure to also like, comment, share, subscribe, and press that bell button if you're fans of Radio Entrepreneurs helps us immensely. And of course, we're also highly active on LinkedIn. So you can go and follow us there for more discussion and content. Until next time, goodbye. And thanks for listening. We'll be back with more on Radio Entrepreneurs.